My friends in Christ, when you go on a trip, how do you pack your luggage? Are you the type of person that is bare bones, that just the minimum, and, and even if you're going on, on a plane, all you pack is what you can carry on? Or you pretty much pack everything that you might need, just in case you need it, and then you have it. There's, there's benefits to both ways and also negatives as well. Well, what about the, the baggage that you carry in life? Hey, I'm not talking about what's in your purse or your pocket. I mean the things that you carry in life. I know you're tired. I know there are things that you are carrying that you probably don't need to. And that's why today's message is one I think we all need to hear. As we continue this series, Walk by Faith, today we see part three in this series, Faith Rests. And I'm going to begin by asking a rather hard-hitting question. What if you are more tired than you need to be because you're carrying what is unnecessary? If you went to an airport and for whatever reason you tried carrying all those suitcases of everyone going on that airplane, you couldn't do it. You just can't. There's too much to carry. And yet I think sometimes in life we try to do that. Carry more than is possible. What's the, what is the baggage that you're carrying in life? Maybe it's, it's um, baggage of, of a parent's expectations. Or the baggage of, of trying to, to start a career. Maybe you're a brand new parent and, and there's that responsibility of raising a, a, a human being. It's, maybe you're a teacher. And it's that, that burden of, of caring for children in, in a, a time of almost a mental health crisis. And when, when parents are criticizing you and not taking responsibility for their own actions. Maybe it's the baggage of past abuse or as a baggage of your own past sins. Whatever it is, we're all carrying baggage. And Jesus says that he has compassion for those who are weary and exhausted. This is what Matthew 11 says. At the time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. It says things were were hidden from others. Why were they hidden? Well, they were hidden because some people thought they knew it. I... I, um, wrote down this quote, because I loved it, but I forgot to write down where I got it from. It still is great. 
It says this, you cannot begin to know what you think you know already know. There are some people in Jesus' day that thought they knew it. But they didn't. Last week, a member texted me something he had heard, and, and I kept it because it fit perfectly with this. This is what he messaged me. If God was small enough for us to understand, he wouldn't be large enough to worship. If we try understanding things of God, what, why this and not that, it, it, we can't understand his ways, which leads us to the second point here. You will exhaust yourself if you try to make divine truth fit within human reasoning. It will exhaust you. Jesus says in Matthew 11, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. This goes back to, to week one of the sermon series. Who we have faith in is so important. And, and we defined faith that first week. Faith is, is that confidence that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he's promised to do. Faith is not trying to understand God. Faith is taking God at his word. God is God, and we are not. Have you ever read the, the book Job in the Bible? It is really quite the fascinating book. Job was living almost an idyllic life. Uh, he had a large family. He was very wealthy. He worshipped God. And then tragedy came. And all his children died. All his wealth was gone. Even his health was taken. And yet Job still trusted God. And then Job's friends came. And his friends were awesome. They, they were there with him, just being there with him. And then his friends spoke. And their advice eventually got Job to, to question, to, to doubt God. And in a rare instance, God actually directly answered Job. Well, he didn't answer Job's question. Instead, he answered Job with his own question. Was Job there when God laid the foundations of the earth? Does Job know where the rain and the sun and the hail come from? Has Job ever been to the depths of the ocean? Has Job, does Job know where the lightning starts and comes from? Does Job know how the sun rises and sets? Has Job ever commanded the sun to rise? It, Page after page, God questions Job. Never actually directly answers him. 
but he shows. If we cannot understand the simple things of this world, how can we understand the depths of God? You will exhaust yourself trying to make divine truth fit within our human reasoning. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a hard time just figuring out the month of May. If you have kids, May is an insane time. And it's just, I have a hard time with that. We cannot understand divine truth with our human understanding. Which leads us to point number three. All things have been committed to Jesus. We can get so tired because we think the world is on our shoulders, that we have to take care of everything. The weight of the world is on us. But all things have been committed to Jesus. Jesus said, all things have been committed to me by my Father. All things have been committed to Jesus. He's the one to take care of it. It's not ours to take care of. So when you're tired, when you're overwhelmed by life, remember that. Remember, all things have been committed to Jesus. In fact, let's say this out loud. Let's read this. All things have been committed to Jesus. So so when you feel overwhelmed because you have a brand new child, remember, all things have been committed to Jesus. When you're overwhelmed with the craziness of work, remember, all things have been committed to Jesus. When your neighborhood is just too much, remember, all things have been committed to Jesus. When life is too much, remember, all things have been committed to Jesus. And he tells us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what a yoke is? I'm not talking about an egg. This is farming equipment. This is a, a, a picture of a yoke, I think, from the 1800s. That's a big, solid piece of wood. Farmers would use that to yoke two animals together to, to, to basically control the animals, whether it was horses or oxen, something like that. And, and it would basically connect those two animals. So one, where one animal went, the other had to go. They couldn't pull in opposite directions and, and tear the plow apart. We have our own yokes in life. Heavy. Things that control us and and move us and drive us. Sometimes these yokes are placed on us. Sometimes we do it ourselves. We, We fill our lives with things that we think will make us happy. We fill our lives with sin. The people in Jesus' day, 
They were burdened with the yoke, a yoke of their own sin, and then the burden of their religious leaders placed on top of them. And when stuff like that happens, that that is what the devil wants. Yesterday, we, we offered this resiliency training. Greg Schmill from Grace in Action came down. And, and he talked about a yoke. Actually, the yoke of the devil. I want to read something that he handed out yesterday. It's a little, I guess, fable. It says, Satan called a worldwide convention. In his opening address to his evil angels, he said, we can't keep the Christians from going to church. We can't keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth, but we can keep them from forming an intimate abiding relationship with Christ. If they gain that connection with Jesus, our power over them is broken. So, let them go to church. Let them have their conservative lifestyles, but steal their time so they can't gain that relationship with Jesus. This is what I want you to do, angels. Distract them from gaining hold of their Savior and maintaining that vital connection throughout the day. How do we do that? The angels said. Keep them busy. Keep them busy with non-essentials of life and invent innumerable schemes to occupy their minds. Tempt them to spend, 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 borrow, borrow, borrow. Persuade the wives to go to work for long hours and the husbands six to seven days a week, 12 to 10, 10 to 12 hours a day so they can afford their empty lifestyles. Keep them from spending time with their children. And as their family fragments, soon their home will offer no escape from the pressures of work. Overstimulate their minds so that they cannot hear Christ speaking to them through his word. Pound their minds with news 24 hours a day. Invade their driving moments with billboards. Flood their mailboxes with junk mail. And every kind of newsletter and promotional offering free products, services, and false hopes. Keep skinny, beautiful models on the magazine covers so husbands will believe that, ex- that external beauty is what's important and they'll become dissatisfied their wives. That will fragment those families quickly. Even in their recreation, let them be excessive. Have them return from their recreation exhausted. Don't let them go out in nature to reflect on God's wonders. Send them to amusing parks, sporting events, concerts, movies instead. Keep them busy, busy, busy. And at the bottom of the page, it says what busy stands for being under Satan's yoke. Here's the thing. Jesus took our burdens upon himself. He took our heavy yoke on himself. He took our sins on himself. And he took it away. He paid for those sins on the cross. He has removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. That burden, that guilt, that weight, it is gone. Don't try to take what Jesus has already removed. He says he gives us his own yoke. He he takes ours away and gives us his own, which is as light as feathers. Instead of that, that heavy weight of this heavy wood, Think of it as made of empty, hollow foam. He has taken away that burden. 
He says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Let's talk about that rest. Point four. Remember your Sabbath time. Sabbath means rest, by the way. Remember your Sabbath, your rest time. Keep it sacred. There are different types of rest. In in that um, um, resiliency training yesterday, uh, Greg Schmill talked about three types of health. There's physical health, emotional health, and spiritual health. And, And... in order to be resilient, which means when bad things happen, you're, you're able to bounce back from it. The, the quicker you bounce back is, is all because you are healthy physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Remember that Sabbath time, that rest time. Physical rest is important. I mean, when God created this world, he set up a seven-day week incorporating a day of rest. We are not designed to go, 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 go seven days a week, 16 hours a day. Remember that Sabbath physical rest time. Emotional rest is important too. Spiritual rest. Here's the thing. I, I I think we do rest, but sometimes we don't. It's not the right kind of rest. Sleeping in, getting that that physical rest is rest, but if we don't come to church, if we don't get the spiritual rest, if we're not in God's Word, you know, of those three, physical, emotional, and spiritual, spiritual rest is the most important. Remember your Sabbath rest time. Keep it sacred. Now, earlier in the service, we, we, we heard the 23rd Psalm. We heard the choir sing it. We sing a hymn based on the 23rd Psalm. That, that Psalm has been such a, a beautiful part, of, a, a, a favorite part of Christians' lives. Why do you think that is? I, I think one of the things is just that picture of describing Jesus as our good shepherd. A shepherd who, who provides and takes care of us, his sheep. He leads us to springs of living water. He, well, his rod, his staff, they, they comfort us. They protect us. Our, our cup overflows and he prepares a meal for us at his side in heaven. Jesus, as our good, loving shepherd laid down his life for us. I think we love the 23rd Psalm because it gives us a mental picture of the rest that he gives us, that we have waiting for us in heaven. You see, faith rests. It rests in Jesus. That is an eternal rest we have waiting for us and a rest we have now. Faith rests.
Amen.